And I'm Jamie. Welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast. Where I pick the podcast. And I shot my cake hole. And today we are going to be talking about the second episode of the sixth season of Supernatural titled Two and a Half Men. Jamie, what did you think? Oh boy, this episode has some content, doesn't it? It surely does. They really, like, obviously, we're only two weeks in yeah. to the Sarah Gamble long con the season. <laughs> the era. The era, even. But I didn't realise that she'd be just Sarah Gambling everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, she's putting some Sarah Gamble content in what is inherently a fucking ridiculous concept. Like, <laughs> let's just start there. The The concept of the episode is, oopsie doopsies, I kidnapped a baby. I know. <laughs> Wild. It's not even an oopsie doopsie. It was an intentional kidnapping. Yeah. Like, there is no... <laughs> There's no gray room like, like, she really just do be out here saying some fascinating things about these characters, though. Like, you know what I mean? Like... Yeah. Despite all of it, it's still somehow an interesting fucking episode and character study. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact it's fucking ridiculous. They're like, mm, we're going to really have a scene where... Is it Dean just randomly beats up a lady in the grocery store? But it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's fine. <laughs> Totally fine and normal. Yeah. Yeah, so this episode was written by Adam Glass and it was mm-hmm. directed by John F. Showalter. So there are supernatural veterans at this point. Mm-hmm. But yes, you're right. The episode itself does have an overall Sarah Gamble-esque feeling to it, mm-hmm. which is really funny because last week's episode, written by Sarah Gamble... Felt less like Sarah Gamble than this one did. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's funny that at this point already, like only two episodes in, you're like, I can feel her presence in that writer's mm-hmm. room. <laughs> Well, like, even just looking at, like, I think the most obvious character analysis point of the episode, mm. the moment where they both go to name this kid, and yes. Dean goes Bobby, and Sam goes John. John. I am so glad that you brought that up, because I was wondering if I was going to have to. I was like, I wonder if this is going to be a thing where I'm like, the character studies, and you're going to be like, I don't like character stuff. I mean, I don't like character stuff, but, like, it's a Sarah Gamble episode. She's mm-hmm. like... And I know, it's, talk not, about I know it's not a Sarah Gamble episode, though, but it is a Sarah Gamble episode. You by, know what I mean? By nature. It's kind of like yeah. every episode of Kripke era is by nature a Kripke episode. Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind they of They all inherent. went through him. Yeah. Yeah. They had to get the okay from mm-hmm. him, and now they have to get the okay from her, and it is interesting. Do we want to start with that, or do we want to yeah, jump let's start with that. Later? I want to start with that, and then I also want to start with that in direct contrast to the fact that it's not, like, confirmed, but it's also kind of implied that Sam is 100% using a baby as bait. Yeah, I also wanted to talk about that a lot. <laughs> In an episode where the focus seems to be discussing how Dean is so scared of turning into John, mm-hmm. and, like, especially coming off the back of last episode where we were talking about mm-hmm. that basically being the fear that was manifesting mm-hmm. from the gin poison, in an episode based in Dean grappling with that reality... Sam using an infant as bait is wild. (laughs) It's also just like this little subconscious thing of like, as much as Dean is terrified of being John. He'll never. He'll never be John. Yeah. Like direct contrast between him and John. Doesn't give his child a gun. Yeah. Oh yeah. The standards are on the literal floor. Yeah. And even like Ben argues back and said, you had a rifle when you were my age. And Dean's like, mark my words, you will never, ever shoot a gun. And, like, the desperation of trying to break that motherfucking cycle. And, okay, we're getting so far ahead of ourselves. (laughs) We need to narrow this down. (laughs) Do we want to start with Bobby John? 
We can start with Bobby John. We can start with Bobby John. To be fair, it's all interconnected. That's the key thing. Mm. Mm. It's a gamble episode and she loves to do it to us. It's just like Houses of the Holy all over again. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Bobby John. It is interesting to me. There is one point in this episode where... This is related, I Mm -hmm. swear. Okay. There is one point in this episode where I think Dean is out of character. Interesting. I have a thought on this as well. Otherwise, I think the the characterization is pretty solid of Dean in the mm-hmm. episode. No, I agree. I'm curious to see what you think you're yeah, out of I, character thing. Because I, I have a feeling we may be on the same wavelength. I'm wondering if we're sharing the brain cell right now. Wait, do you want to try and say I'm three? I, this is yeah, so stupid, this is, but this I do never love works, it. But let's do it. Okay. <laughs> One, two, three. Kid in the grocery store. Bobby's. Oh, okay. He's okay. like, this is a young child who's in need of protection and he doesn't send them to Bobby's? Okay. I have a point that I want to talk about on that, mm-hmm. right? But grocery store. The grocery store. Mm-hmm. For me, it's the part where Dean is fucking acting like he doesn't know how to hold a baby mm-hmm. and is just like yeah. screaming back mm-hmm. at the child. And I'm like, yeah, okay. See, I, can, I can see that in my mind just because like Dean wasn't a hands-on father until he hit at least six. So like... <laughs> Sam was a toddler by that stage. Sorry. This is chronically a newborn. <laughs> you can say that as if like that's an old age. Like you know, he he was delayed in his parenting beginnings. Like, yeah, he was six years old. That's pretty late start. Yeah. You know, that's so funny. No, here's the thing about that though. Like we also get him saying this episode that like Lisa has a little niece mm-hmm. and stuff, and like. You can't tell me that this man does not know how to hold a fucking baby. And we see him do it at other points in the episode. So, like, when they're at the register, and I get, like, when he's, like, yelling back at the baby, like, it's so funny. Like, the point of it is that it's comedy, and Jensen's fantastic with comedy, so it is effective. But I was like, I see what they're doing. It is funny. I do enjoy it. But also, from another perspective, I feel like it's a bit, like, it contradicts stuff that we get throughout the rest Mm -hmm. of the episode that literally just show him being a pretty competent parent. Yeah. Except for when he gave the baby alcohol, which, not ideal. (laughs) Don't do that, kids. Mm -hmm. Anyway, sorry. No, my point was, he has this young child who's in need of protection, Mm -hmm. and he doesn't even suggest Bobby's, which we know is his go-to move. Like, this is canonically established. Small yeah. child in need of protection? Bobby's. Bobby's. Yeah. And it makes me wonder, because I had a note on this too. Mm-hmm. I had, Sam wants to take Bobby John to Samuel, brackets, watch the bet Dean would have voted for Bobby, right? Yeah. And then Sam asks him, well, do you have another plan? And I was like, oh, here's where Dean will advocate for Bobby. Bobby. And then mm-hmm. he just doesn't. And my only thought was like, maybe he's feeling a bit jaded because of the argument from last episode, mm-hmm. where Bobby is like, you were out and like, you were happy and blah, blah, blah. And like, Dean was like, get fucked. Um, but here's the thing, in my brain, that doesn't trump the fact that Dean knows Samuel's not a great person. Like, at least underneath all of that, he knows Bobby only did it because he cares about him. Yeah. And he's... Wrong actions, right reasons. Yeah. yeah. Like, he is a character at the end of the day whose motivations are solely how can I protect the people that I care about. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, And it's not like, how can I protect the people that I care about by giving them a gun at the age of six? Mm-hmm. I just, I don't see a world in which, like, that argument with Bobby overrides the fact that he knows Samuel's not a great person. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I was just trying to find, like, a Mm. reason that could justify it within the narrative, but ultimately I think you're correct. I think it's whack that it doesn't even come up as a suggestion. Mm -hmm. Especially when that's his go-to move. I guess the only other reason is, like, from the perspective of, like, trying to forward the plot, if they'd gone to Bobby's, that would have been the end of the episode. Like, it would have been like, Bobby will figure it out. You know, Bobby like, won't <laughs> use this child as bait. Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty against that, I would say. Yeah, anti-child bait. 
Mm. Which is, you know, a character trait that I look for in all of my favourite characters. <laughs> because, you know, you've really got to explicitly say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely doesn't go unsaid. Yeah, like, no. You need to wait for canon confirmation that each character would not, in fact, use a childless bait. Because the assumption is they probably would. Yeah, obviously. Like, that's how it works. <laughs> that's what any normal character mm. would do, right? We've seen it so many times in Supernatural. You know, like, using a kid as bait is just the way the Supernatural universe works. Yeah, exactly. This is fucking stupid. It's like, I love this kind of competition of, like, how far can we continue on with this clearly... Terrible idea. Yeah. <laughs> like... Oh, okay, so we probably should mention it because we haven't actually mm-hmm. touched on it explicitly yet, but there is a baby shapeshifter. Yes. Bobby John, this episode. Do you remember, like, fucking in, like, seasons one or two, mm-hmm. we were talking about... Shifters fucking. Yeah, shifters yeah. fucking and, like, how monsters procreate. We now know that shifters do be fucking. Yeah, and I said to you, I was like, here's the thing. I have answers for that, but we're going to get to that in season six, and this is what I was referencing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, like... Also, shifters do be fucking. At least one specific shifter do be fucking. Yes, at least one do be fucking. Although we do have the uh, additional lore this episode that we have alphas introduced, which... <laughs> This is the dumbest fucking shit I have ever... Like, I I'm just want to so know sorry. if ABO fic was a thing. Then. <laughs> Maybe we should check the dates. Okay. <laughs> Which one do you want to check? first. Oh, okay. Because here's the question, right? It becomes, is the supernatural fandom the one holding the dodgeball in the meme? Yeah. Or is Sarah Gamble the one holding the dodgeball in the meme. Either way it works, but I'm interested to know which which one it is. Okay, remember the date October 1st, 2010. Okay, October 1st, 2010. Got it. Locked and loaded. Oh, the tension in this room right now is so... <laughs> so thick you could cut it with a knife. Got I it. think it's going to be a chicken and the egg scenario. Really? Because according to SuperWiki, uh-huh. ABO became popular from mid-2010 onwards. Oh, well, October so, late 2010. Yeah. So I it's it's was this put into production... Pre or post that Ooh, first like when week. was the script written? Yeah. Ooh. Because we know October 1st, 2010 is when it, it was released. to the public. But could they both be psychic? Was the first ABO author a paid writer from the Supernatural Writers Room? <laughs> no, it wasn't. The first ABO writer, I'm going to say my theory here. There's no evidence to support it. I love that's my favourite sort of Jamie theory. <laughs> it was Misha Collins. <laughs> Because the first ABO thing was Jared and Jensen RPS. And for anyone who didn't already know that, I'm so sorry that this is the way you had to find out. Oh my god, that is... No, I hate that. (laughs) Anyway, moving on. So I guess we'll never know. But the thing that actually bothers me about the alpha is when Dee's like, an alpha? And Samuel goes, yeah, there's tons of lore about it. And I'm like, this has the same energy as somehow Palpatine returned. (laughs) Like, what do you mean? Oh, yeah, there's tons of lore about it. Okay. Where? Show me when this has ever come up ever before at all. Like, no, there isn't. You're just saying there is. It's like that classic thing of, we're not going to show you, we're just going to tell you, and you have to believe us. Like, there's no... Normally when they're doing research, like, we at least get to see them do the research, Mm -hmm. or, like, they open a book, or they Google a thing, and in this, he's like, oh, yeah, there's just tons of lore about it. This feels to me like I like Sarah Gamble. You know this. Like generally, I think her episodes, whether they're good or bad, they're certainly interesting, which makes for a good time on the podcast. They're certainly they're 
certainly discussionable. Yes. Regardless of if that's a good thing or bad thing. Regardless of quality, there you can talk about them, which is great for me personally because I run a supernatural podcast. It's very convenient for us specifically. Yes. This feels like they've introduced these extra characters in. Mm-hmm. So they have an excuse to go, this is the lore and we know this because these characters are hunters and they've been doing it for so long and they just know things. Yeah, and we get we get Samuel, mm-hmm. I think, last episode saying, if you stick with me, like, I can teach you things your daddy never even dreamed of or, like, whatever mm-hmm. weird line it was. And so, like, yeah, I think that definitely plays into that. Like, we're looking at a whole new sort of sect of hunters and they're going to have different experience and different knowledge that's been, you know gathered over the over the generations but i also think what a fucking weird way to present it mm. like okay sure i guess and it's like dean already doesn't trust you why the fuck would he believe you mm-hmm. like prove it somehow babe come on and i'm pretty sure from this episode we get maybe not confirmation but it's like it's highly suggested the way he's like oh to see if we can capture it like mm-hmm. They're trying to catch monsters to experiment on them to... They're not killing them straight no. away. And they're also definitely not confirmed putting them in a humane zoo. Like, no. You know what I mean? Like, I think the implications here are that they're capturing these monsters to do something For incredibly purpose. inhumane to them. Yeah. Because otherwise, why wouldn't he tell Sam what they're doing? Yeah. Because it's very obvious that Sam has no idea that these are that these hunters, they're not just killing the monsters mm-hmm. to, you know, save people and stop the harm these monsters are causing. They are capturing them. And if their solution is capturing them so that they can be away from humans but still leave, live peacefully mm-hmm. in humane circumstances... Why wouldn't he tell Sam that? Because that sounds like a great idea. Yeah. You know exactly. what I mean? To take them somewhere where it's like they're not going to be able to cause any more harm, but they're also getting treated with dignity. With dignity. Yeah. Is a great solution. Like, not having to kill monsters if you don't have to actually physically kill them is a great idea. Mm-hmm. And even like this episode shows like they weren't going to kill that baby, which I do have a question about that because I do wonder some things are like you just can't show on tv like there are some Mm -hmm. like various regulations for like between networks and bits and pieces is like you know how stuff is censored like for example one of the things that they wanted to do with the end of the series but were barred from doing is like they were literally told they were not allowed to kill god Mm -hmm. they weren't allowed to do that the only queer character with plot armor (laughs) literally (laughs) like they could disappear him kind of thing they could you know do whatever they wanted but they could not kill god which is so interesting considering we had fucking hammer of the gods last Mm -hmm. season and they just killed a whole fucking bunch of gods Mm -hmm. but this one in particular no 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 no. we definitely almost like their respect doesn't extend to the christian god yeah funny about that anyway uh we digress Mm -hmm. but i wonder if there is a legality about killing infants I because it's kind of like we don't mm. see children getting killed in this show either, and like I get why I'm not advocating that we should we have only see children murder, only <laughs> attempted child murder. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god, it's like leverage in terms of mm. leverage. Never shows murder; it only ever shows attempted murder. Yes, <laughs> but this is just specifically for children. Except that one guy who did get murdered. Yes, but we didn't see the murder. No, we just saw him after the murder. We yeah. saw him post murder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, murdered, murdered, <laughs> dead. Unalive. Deceased. As the TikTokers say. Yes. No. So I wonder if there is some kind of like legal precedent as to they aren't allowed to kill 
the bebes, and that is why they had to find a way to, like, take care of it. Because obviously the correct response is don't kill the baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously that's the correct response. And everyone seems to be on that same page, mm-hmm. but Dean just doesn't trust that they're on that same page. No, and when they're like, oh, you and your partner are trying for a baby, here, have a baby boy. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, but... I don't know if it's just like the casting or what, but the the that dude that they give the baby to, mm-hmm. fucking creepy as hell. Yeah, I'm like I don't trust this man inherently. I don't, and so that could be either really great or really terrible casting depending on whether you're meant to trust him or not. But it's interesting that you bring that up because what I found rewatching these last two episodes, and we talked, I think back in Dead in the Water, I think mm-hmm. was the first instance. Which actually, I have another point about Dead in the Water later, but. We talked about how, considering that the show was actually pitched as having Sam as the main character, Mm -hmm. and then it became, like, the first couple episodes were very much, like, sort of the protagonists, multiple, being Dean and Sam. And by Dead in the Water, you were like, oh, no, Dean's the main character. Yeah. Like, there was just almost no question, at least for our, Mm -hmm. like, sakes. And then in this season, I feel like there's been another shift. For me, it feels like we're actually being told this story, not just as Dean's main character, but from Dean's POV. Like, do you see that? Do you see that mm. shift? Yeah. Because we're seeing these characters mm-hmm. that Sam's been working with, and we are getting pretty much exclusively mm-hmm. Dean's opinions on them, Dean's reactions to things that they're saying. Like, we're seeing Dean interact with them one-on-one. We're not seeing Sam interact no. with them one-on-one. And also, I think the other really telling and the really key thing is Sam presumably knows these people really well. Yeah. But the audience doesn't. It feels like the audience hasn't been given any information about them. So we feel like we're in Dean's shoes. Yeah, exactly. Like, we've just met these characters. We have no idea who they are or what they are about. So, of course, we don't I can't even tell you what the creepy dude's name is. Uh, His name is Christian. Okay. And the girl is Gwen. The dude who dies, who was, like, weirdly silent and they kept making a point about it, was Mark. Okay. And I think that's it. But, yeah, so I, I agree with you. I think that... The audience is inherently mistrustful of Samuel and the Campbells because Dean is. Also because we but, can see all the sh- shady conversations happening with Sam. Like, yeah, but exactly. But also we get Sorry, that. I meant Samuel. Mm. But I just shortened it to Sam instinctively. As the same telling. way I, I shortened <laughs> Lucifer to Lucy. Then I realized that's really not clear. Yeah. But yeah, it's the same, it's the same issue. Like mm-hmm. we are being shown as the audience additional information and we're also, like, seeing from Dean's outside perspective how fucking shady this feels. Mm. And also, in this episode, they fucking drive into, like, it looks like a compound. Yeah. Like, it's giving, like, the end when they mm-hmm. go into Camp Chautauqua. Mm-hmm. And I was like, where the fuck is this? They've got some kind of fucking military operation happening. Like, there are multiple dwellings mm-hmm. behind this electric fence that they've erected behind the people with guns. Like, what is happening? And Sam's just like, oh, yeah, it's just Tuesday. We're just going around for dinner at Grandpa's house. I instinctively trust these people because they are my family. No Mm -hmm. questions asked. Which, sorry, Sam, baby boy, that's a bad idea. It comes back to this concept that we've touched on a few times now, which is that Sam and Dean have fundamentally different opinions on what being family means. And Dean has a much more found family kind of mindset, and Sam has a much more literal definition of family type of mindset. And it's fascinating to see it come up here as a point of tension, because... Samuel and the other Campbells keep making a point of like, well, I thought we were family. And Dean's like, only in the, like, in the legal sense. But that means nothing. I don't actually trust you. I don't fucking know you. Whereas Sam's like, Dean, they're family. And like, he is obviously just sort of inherently 
trusted them. Yeah. Because of that point blank. Like, we don't even know how Sam and Samuel found each other. No. Like, we've got no idea how they came to be working together at this point. Yeah. Unless Sam's buried in that, like, Samuel's buried in the graveyard where the gate to hell was. (laughs) Well, you think they just both happen to be raised at the same point? Yeah. I mean, Sam did say that that's where he woke up. Yeah. And, like, the other thing is... That's so funny, actually. (laughs) The the graveyard that they're in is in Lawrence, Kansas. Remember, because they're going back to where it all started or whatever, and considering that that's where Samuel died, it's not out of the realm of possibility that he was buried there. Though it is odd that he wouldn't have a hunter's funeral. Yeah. Although, theoretically, because Deanna and Samuel were both killed and then Mary, I'm assuming, didn't stick around much to find out what happened, maybe no one would have known to give them a hunter's funeral. Mm. Maybe they would just... Maybe they they were just buried by Mary's brother. Oh, yeah. My favourite character. Like, yeah. This dude just has a knack for organising funerals. Yeah, their uncle, you know. Yeah. He, he, they literally never hear from them unless someone's died. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, my spidey senses, they're tingling. Plot twist. Kind of bury a family turn, member. Turns out their buddy, their uncle, Mary's brother, is fucking death. Turns out he's an alpha and that's how he can sense <laughs> his family member's whereabouts. I never thought about the fact that it would it was the graveyard that potentially yeah, their family could was, have been in. Yeah. Which, actually raises an interesting question which has nothing to do with this episode but i want to ask you because i didn't think of it the other day when they open the cage and it like you know the yeah. whole ground swallows mm. everything did around they just it. have a couple of corpses yeah. get into the cage <laughs> do they just like fully take some corpses with them like <laughs> like it does open the opportunity for them to fall into the cage and have some new decor like some headstones some dirt some coffins some I mean, grass. You've got to add some green to liven up the place. Yeah, exactly. We love a plant. <laughs> Cut to Adam in hell still. And he's just like made like a little living room. He's got like a little... Oh, that's okay. Hear me out though. Like the fact that his name is Adam. Mm-hmm. There's something of there if Adam is making a garden in the cage. Do you know what I mean? Like there is something there. I don't quite know how to discuss it. Yeah. But there is something... Like there's a concept there mm-hmm. yeah. of Adam growing a garden in the cage Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean anyway we need to move on from this this is so irrelevant to this episode we were talking about samuel and the other hunters and dean not liking them taking the baby and i've got to be real i agree with dean but i also don't have a better solution i will put that out there because i have a better solution bobby's okay yeah bobby's but that's also just like assuming that bobby can look after a child and I mean, he, not that he'd be a bad dad. I think we've definitely established canon that Bobby would be a good dad. But like, it is a lot to just rock up to someone's house and be like, hey, guess what? This infant, that's your responsibility now. But like, Dean that's literally do what that. John did to Dean. Exactly. But Dean wouldn't do that. Like, that's like here's the thing. He may show up to Bobby's and be like, here's this child. But he wouldn't say, you're responsible for it now. He'd be like, will you help me care for it? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, And also, Dean's not going to be like, mm, yeah, this literal defenseless child that doesn't deserve to be damned just because it's a shifter mm-hmm. we're going to hand it off to some random that i barely know yeah and actually the point that you made right at the top of the episode about sam and dean both going to name the child mm-hmm. and like dean saying bobby and sam saying john falls right into this as well and also into my point from just a moment ago about how they view family differently yeah because they both named that baby after their dad mm-hmm. so do you I know do, what i mean like, i do think it's funny though that Sam kidnapped a child and then he was like, I'm going to call the best father I know. Mm. Dean. Yeah. But then Sam is like shocked later in the episode that Dean knows what he's doing. And I'm like, 
It's actually a You called him because he knew what he was doing. I genuinely was kind of shitty that, like, hang on, where's my note on this? Where's my note She's on this? pulling up the receipts. Here we go. So the scene that I'm thinking of is when they've gotten back from the, the shops and Dean's, like, changing the nappy and he's like, I'll pay you money if you sit still. This is, like, diffusing an IED with poop. And then he's, like, picking up the baby and he's humming smoke on the water, which I fucking love him for this. It's so in character. It's so cute. But I have one tiny adjustment. If they had had him hum, hey, Jude, mm-hmm. I would have sobbed. Yeah. I would have openly wept if they had had him hum, hey, Jude. Yeah. Because of Mary. Like, I love Smoke on the Water as a choice. I think it's great. But hey, Jude would have been top tier. It would have destroyed me. Yeah. Actually, maybe I didn't need that. Maybe yeah. it's better that they didn't do that to my psyche. Sarah anyway. Gamble's really looking out for the girls' gender neutral. <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. But then Sam is literally genuinely shocked that Dean is good with kids. And that is so annoying to me. Because, like, Sam, he raised you. Like, why are you surprised? Do you, how do you think he knows how to change a nappy, Sam? Sure, Lisa's niece. Yeah, I'm sure that's the first time he ever went shopping for baby things he or changed a fucking nappy. trained you, mate. Literally. I'm like, what? I'm like, okay, maybe Sam's like too young, doesn't remember, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, okay, you remembered all the other shit from when you were older. Yeah. Like, at what point? I'm not saying that I think Dean was changing Sam's mm-hmm. nappies at four necessarily, no. but also. Again, I don't think he really became a father until he was six. <laughs> Again, with the fucking age. But like, in saying that. Like, if you give a kid, like a, like a four or five-year-old, a child's doll, and you can show them how to change a nappy, mm-hmm. and they are competent. Like, they yeah. can do it. They have the five motor skills. So it's not mm-hmm. that he couldn't have done it. It's just that it's like, okay, exactly how far gone was John? Like, mm-hmm. where in the timeline of John fully losing sense of reality and any kind of responsibility for his children? Mm-hmm. Like, when did that occur? And I am shitty at Sam this week for being like, "Mm, well, you're doing just what dad did, but to Ben. And I'm like, Mm. there is a fucking difference. The fucking difference is A, Dean won't give Ben a gun and tell him to defend himself. B, Ben has Lisa. He's not being left unsupervised and alone. Ben is not being left unsupervised and alone for long stretches of time. Dean is leaving him with somebody that he trusts to look after them. Mm -hmm. Someone who like, and I know that, you know, Sam's like, oh, well, how is it any different to us? We moved around all the time. The difference is they're moving into a house and not a hotel. Mm-hmm. Or a car. Or a car. Like, okay, they've moved quite frequently. But, like, it's not the end yeah. of the world. It's maybe not great if they're moving, like, across the country or anything like that. But, mm-hmm. like, Sam, baby boy, how is this the same? You're like, mm, this functioning family dynamic where Dean is gone sometimes, basically like a parent working away, mm-hmm. versus... Literally being homeless, living on the road, and your dad leaving you for weeks at a time in a hotel and then just expecting the service staff to care for you. Yeah. How are these the same thing, baby boy? They're literally just not. like. And I understand the point that Sam is making to an extent. Mm -hmm. I do understand the parallels he is drawing, and I understand why, as a narrative, the writers are trying to draw these parallels. Because basically what they're doing is they are highlighting, and again, like this comes off the back of last week's episode, They are highlighting Dean's number one fear Mm -hmm. as becoming John and repeating the cycle, right? Because that's really what it comes down to. In this episode, specifically when it comes to the shifter, but also as a larger commentary on Mm -hmm. what's happening with Dean, it's about breaking the cycle. 
I do want to point out something that ties really nicely into this. If Please you're do. For me too. Yes. We get the phrase on my watch. Yes. Which is very important considering I'm pretty sure that's how he describes the incident in Something Wicked. He says something happened to you on my watch. It is also the way he describes what happened with Flagstaff from Dark Side of the Moon because I thought that's where you were going to go with that. Oh my god, I'm loving the like slightly off kilter brain cell we're sharing yeah. right now because it means we're getting double points. Double points. <laughs> but the the use of the phrase on my watch. Yeah. In an episode that is all about exploring that familial trauma and like parental issues, mm-hmm. to have the the echoing of a phrase that we have heard previously in relation to how Dean was quote unquote failing as a brother or failing as a father, despite the fact he was like 14. 15? Like, he was a teenager at the oldest. Mm -hmm. And in something wicked, he he was, was like, like fucking eight. Yeah. And also, I think that the phrase itself, on my watch, is interesting. Because it's not terminology that every eight-year-old uses. Like, I think that that comes directly from John as a, like... Because it's like, oh, like, you read a fantasy novel or whatever, and it's like, oh, they take turns keeping watch. Mm -hmm. Like, they sleep in shifts and stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where you would see it. Or, like, if you were in an active war zone, Mm -hmm. you might take shifts keeping watch like it's the kind of thing where it feels like john has assigned dean to keep watch yeah and it, that's why sam was his responsibility in that period of time specifically mm-hmm. and so it comes back to dean parroting the instructions that john gave him it is something that we see in something wicked i'm pretty sure it's either very similar phrasing or it is the phrasing on my watch in something wicked you have that but you also have the parallels of this is them using a small child as bait. Yes. Which is a million percent parallel to something wicked. Mm-hmm. One million percent. And the fact that Dean calls Sam out on that. Yeah. I think is so interesting. Mm-hmm. And like I said before, like the fact that in this episode, the discussion both in the text and like mm-hmm. as a broader theme is about like nature versus nurture mm-hmm. and the cycle of abuse and Dean as a father and like all of these things compounding it's just so fucking fascinating looking at the way that sam is behaving and dean is behaving and then the discussions they're having around it because Mm -hmm. at no point even though dean calls sam out for like using the kid's bait at no point does dean say you're behaving like dad yeah or you're just like dad but when dean is trying to do the only thing he can because i want to stress this people often say the like john was just trying to do his best or whatever I think that's fundamentally flawed. Mm-hmm. I would argue Dean is actually trying to do his best here because yeah. he is in a between a rock and a hard place, and it doesn't also, matter. What he wasn't he expecting does. to su- suddenly have an infant in his care. I more mean like it doesn't matter what he does, and he mm-hmm. says this later on in the episode as well. If he stays, he keeps Ben and Lisa in danger. Mm-hmm. If he goes, he keeps Ben and Lisa in danger. Mm-hmm. There is no real way where the they question are in is: danger. Are they in more or less danger with him there? Yeah, and he says in this episode, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And he says that if I knew, I would just do that. If I knew 100% that the safest thing for me to do would be to stay, then I would stay. And if I knew that if it was to leave, I would leave. But I just don't know. And I think the difference there is that, like, we, we agreed that when Dean went to be with Lisa at mm-hmm. the end of last season, it was fundamentally probably a poor decision yeah on on his part it was a poor decision on sam to encourage him and like make and a poor decision on it. lisa's part because like mm. lisa is too good for him like i, I know dean's her. i know dean's your blobo but like lisa is too good like no i agree throughout this episode i i had that note twice 
Mm. Twice in this one episode, Lisa is too good for Dean, full stop. Lisa deserves someone at least semi-emotionally mature, which I want to reiterate is not really Dean's fault. Like, I feel like he has too much trauma to really be in a position to be able to unpack all that, which he has trauma. That is fair and valid. Like, it is what it is. Like, he, it's not his fault that he has that trauma, but it's also kind of just like, he is not in a good enough position for Lisa because Lisa is a fucking angel. What's really interesting is that over this episode and last week as well, we've had this very emotionally intelligent response from Lisa. Mm-hmm. Like last week, you know, Dean's like, you know, trying to sort of end things. Yeah. And she's like, you're an idiot. And she tells him exactly why. And she outlines her thoughts on the matter. And You're know, an idiot. I'm a grown ass woman. I can make my own decisions. Yeah. I knew what I was getting into. Like, yeah, I, I knew you had fucking issues. Like I wasn't deluding myself about that. Like, exactly. And then in this episode, she says, you know, I don't know what's safest either, but one thing I do know is you're not a construction worker. You're a hunter, and now you uh, you know your brother's back. It's different. You don't want to be here. And he's like, I do. And I don't think that's a lie. No. I think that he does. I think he genuinely cares for Lisa and Ben. Regardless of whether or not I think it is sustainable or whether or not I think he should have gone to them in the first place, I do definitely think he cares for them very deeply. Yes. And I also think it's uh, as much as he's like, oh, I want to be here, like, I don't want to be a hunter. He has too much innate responsibility built into his every fibre of his being mm-hmm. to just leave. Like, you know, like, at, at his core, Dean is a character who wants to do the right thing. So I think if he knows that people are being hurt, he's never going to be able to fully step away from hunting. Yeah. Like, no matter how far out of the life he is, if he thinks there's something he can do to help other people, He's going to jump right back in. It's so baked into him as a character. Mm. And, like, we've had episodes and discussions before about the way that he feels innately responsible for literally every single fucker on the planet, which is an insane amount of pressure. Mm -hmm. But that's what he lives with. And, you know, so I think you're right. Like, he is going to struggle to ever fully remove Mm -hmm. himself, at least at this point in the series. I think there's an argument you could make for later on that he would find some peace with it mm-hmm. and actually be able to retire. But at this point, certainly, particularly with the sudden trauma of having Sam reappear, mm-hmm. I think that that just brings too much to the forefront. But in any case, Lisa goes on, okay, but you also want to be there. You're white knuckling it, living like this. Like what you are is some bad, awful thing, but you're not. And then she goes on, but I'm not going to have this discussion every time you leave. And this is just going to keep happening. So I need you to go. Mm-hmm. me and Ben will be here and you come when you can just come in one piece mm-hmm. and I'm like I love this woman Damn, would, you are too good for him I would die for mm-hmm. this woman mm-hmm. because what the like she and I want to be clear here my issue is not with Lisa my issue is with the Lisa plot line yes same because she is an incredible character mm-hmm. she's absolutely incredible do you know what is so fun so anyone listening should know one of the questions we have in our survey is if you have an unconventional blobo, like, you know, Jamie's mm-hmm. or Zachariah and Meg and Crowley, like, you know, or I guess Crowley's maybe not so unconventional, no. but who's Zachy your... boy and Meg though. Yeah. So who are your unconventional blobos? And like, you know, a little bit about why, just as like a fun sort of bonus mm-hmm. question, because we think it's interesting. And one of our responses, Jamie actually can't read the whole thing because it does have some spoilers. So she hasn't seen it. And they were so kind. We want to shout out to whoever left this survey response. They were so nice. They were like, spoiler alert. Yeah. In the first line, they were like, don't read beyond this point, which was very, very considerate. So thank you. But I read the whole thing. And and when I say that this person left a small essay, I am not kidding. When I saw this response, I was like so excited immediately. And 
obviously I, I can't give all of the reasoning that they gave in that response, mm-hmm. but this is kind of like the core. They said yeah. Lisa was their unconventional blueberry, and basically what you just said is why. Because she is a fantastic character, and what they do with her plot line is the thing that is the problem. Yeah. Like, the fact that she has these moments where, you know, she tells Dean like it is, and she has this incredible insight and this credible emotional intelligence and she's so cool like she's funny and she's smart and she's capable and she's a great mom and mm-hmm. obviously a great partner and she's just gets so mistreated mm-hmm. by the narrative anyway i think it's time for my <laughs> psa of the day beth what do you think it is i actually have two guesses this week okay. yep my number one guess is seatbelt safety okay because Dean, in this episode, gets mm-hmm. mad about the car beeping at him. And he's like, what am I, in the third grade? And I'm like, sweetie, no one's ever too old for seatbelt safety. Mm-hmm. Click, clack. You know, buckle up. Mm-hmm. And number two, don't give babies alcohol. Okay. <laughs> Neither of them were my PSA. Really? So yeah. you condone both of those things. Absolutely. <laughs> I think you should just give babies all the <laughs> Clearly not. I... You're like, I can't even joke about no. that. I had a more unconventional, like a oh, little okay. bit less direct from the episode because I thought you might go for those ones. So mm-hmm. I was like, I want to. I'm sure. Out. So you're like, can't let Bethany no. be right about anything. I want to whip out something fresh and new. <laughs> okay. My PSA this week is that adopted family is still fucking family. Yes. Because there is this pervasive narrative in media that somehow being blood related to somebody means that Trumps you're everything. more family than not. No. It doesn't matter about what percentage of blood you share. Mm -hmm. It matters about who's fucking showing up. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, this is the thing about found family. And particularly, like, there are a lot of different versions of it. There's a lot of different reasons why Mm -hmm. a person may not associate with their blood relatives. And it Mm -hmm. might be because, you know, you were adopted. Or it might just be because, for whatever reason, you choose not to speak to your blood family. Or Mm -hmm. however, whatever. There's lots of different reasons. But, yeah, like, I, I agree. 100%. 100%. And so it makes me really pissy when we get episodes that seem to really push the narrative of like, oh no, you're only family if you're actually blood related to them. Mm. It's like, well, that's... Yeah, and that's why I always fundamentally fall onto the side of like preferring Dean's ideology when it comes to mm. family and what family means, because Sam's typically seems to fall into this very defin- like dictionary definition idea. And oh, but I just... we're blood related, so therefore we're family, so therefore I should trust this really creepy guy with an infant. Yeah, and I just don't vibe with that personally i mean valid <laughs> i don't vibe with it either hence why he's now a creepy guy i know he has a name mm. i'm not gonna bother learning it like <laughs> i'm really sorry they're trying to do something with these characters i can see they're trying to do something unfortunately it's just not hitting for me i think they're all forgettable and because we're getting such limited like exposure to these characters like very limited exposure to these characters they just haven't had any time to actually develop any personality and like, as much as I'm, like, pretty meh about, like, Sam and Dean, mm. like, I'm even more meh about... <laughs> these other guys. These other dudes. No, I get that. And I feel like, like, Mark dies this episode, and I'm like, all right, bye. Rip. <laughs> it means nothing to me. Which... I didn't even realise he died. That's how good, like... <laughs> <laughs> I think, actually, when Samuel's having his weirdly suspicious phone call at the end of the yeah. episode, which I'm going to ask you about in a sec, mm-hmm. this is a fun segue to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He says to whoever he's speaking to, three of my men died. And I was like, did they? I, I, the only one I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure Mark died. I've got no idea who else died. I, I couldn't tell you. And I've watched this episode a couple of times, like, in, across my I life. I didn't but also realize just any of them died. I actually <laughs> missed, I fully missed that line in the phone call because I'm pretty sure I was making a note. Well, in that case, moving on from them, do you have any thoughts about the suspicious phone call? 
I feel like you ex-nayed this theory last time I brought it up, but I remember there being something about like the Men of Letters or something, which is like shadowy organization that knows shit tons about monsters. The Men of Letters are definitely like a plot point yeah. in Supernatural. Yeah. I feel like this might be the introduction. Like it just feels like he's talking to some big shadowy organization slash network of hunters who are doing incredibly inhumane things to monsters. Hmm, interesting. Like I don't think like they're not you know, capture and releasing them into the wild where they won't hurt people. Like <laughs> This isn't a rehabilitation no, program. Like This isn't like Australia Zoo with some turtles. No, I don't think they're going to the effort of catching these monsters to leave these monsters in peace. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think they're going to that. And I don't think they're going to the effort of capturing these monsters to kill them in a more controlled setting. Yeah, so like, you feel like this maybe falls closer to the, like, demon science questionable ethics committee yeah. situation. Like, okay. I think they're trying to capture them so that they can experiment on them to find more effective ways to kill them. Which is basically like, what Dean accuses them of wanting to do with the baby shifter in this episode yeah. as well. Interesting. Do you have any further thoughts on it? Not really. I think it would be... Uh, they're not going to do it. I know this. I know this for a fact. I think it would be really funny, though, if, like, the person on the other end of the phone call was fucking John. Like, they resurrected <laughs> John at the same time, and now they're just, like, leaning into John being a full villain. I love this concept with, like, you think that Samuel would ever in his life, like, defer to John. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I know they're not going to do it, but I, I do think it'd be really funny for them to be, like, you know, because you can just see if they were doing a plot line like this, they would be, like, the whole time they'd be, like, our dad just wanted to protect people like he never did like when they find out well, he never did what you do what you do is terrible and then like John emerges from the shadow <laughs> absolutely just as terrible if not worse as they thought I love that so I love that your theory kind of works on this idea that whoever resurrected Sam and Samuel also resurrected like the rest yeah. of the Winchester yeah. slash Campbell clan mm-hmm. yeah like you're like Mary's floating around mm-hmm. somewhere Adam yeah is maybe out who knows no, Adam is forgotten in hell that is <laughs> that's the only thing you know for sure it's so hard. <laughs> I find it so fucking wild we're two episodes in and I didn't mention it last week because it's like oh man, like it's first episode like there's, they have to shove a lot they don't mention Adam at all <laughs> no they didn't mention Adam at all they're like Sam aren't you curious about how you got raised from hell they're like Samuel aren't you curious as to why you're back on earth after being in heaven no one mentions the fact, like, oh, if Sam's out, is Adam and Michael still in the cage? Like, yeah. how can we be sure that... They don't even mention Lucifer. Yeah. They're like, oh, well, if Sam's out. Like, they're not even going, mm, if Sam's out. No well, one's asking questions. I'm asking questions. <laughs> what? I'm questioning why they're not questioning it. It feels like they're trying to hide something. Like, in the writer's room, they're like, mm, this is going to be a big reveal. We've got to hide it. But it's like, you know, I think, honestly, Adam, they just genuinely forgot. Yeah, which is so funny. Like, this is this is why when Noah brought up that, you know, he knew of the joke in your pre-finale episode, yeah. I was like, I don't think there's really a way. Like, if you know the joke, yeah. there's not really a way for me to get around yeah. the joke. Like, because the pretty- only way to get around the joke is being like, oh, we don't know where that comes in. And it was kind of like, well... You know, and you knew that it was something about him being in hell. And I was like, at this point, like... We can bind our brain cells. We come up with the answer. Yeah, I was like, I'm pretty skilled at gaslighting you at this point. But when it's you and Noah and you're both competing against me, like, I'm only human. See, I love that you're bragging (laughs) about your gaslighting skills right now. (laughs) Well, everyone else keeps fucking calling me out. So I'm just deciding I'm going to own it, okay? But it, it is really interesting to me, though, that considering Sam's back... No one has questioned if Lucifer's still in the cage. 
And actually, um, we get a line from Samuel this episode where he's talking to Sam about the fact that the babies are being kidnapped. And Sam is making a point where he's like, I don't think this is our kind of thing. Like, I feel like it's horrible, but maybe this one we just leave to the Maybe cops. she's a serial killer. Yeah. And do you know what? I actually kind of think that's valid because mm-hmm. then Samuel's like, baby stew is bad regardless. And I'm like, okay, but if it's not a monster, then what the fuck are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. Like, Which makes me think that shadowy organization knows something that... Told Samuel, yeah. like, gave him the tip off. Yeah. Which is, you know, totally mm-hmm. possible. But then again, it is also just fully possible that it is a human serial killer who mm-hmm. is just targeting... Yeah. Exactly. Families with... And kidnapping this, babies. And kidnapping babies. Like, so, do you know how much you can sell a baby for on the black market? <laughs> no, Jamie. And you shouldn't if you do. Okay, then I don't. Okay. <laughs> he actually says to Sam, you know, sometimes I wonder about you, Sam. And Sam goes, sometimes I wonder about me too. And I wonder if you have any thoughts surrounding that. Not really. Like, I think it just falls into the same sort of thing of like... I understand that for Sam, it's been, like, a lot longer. Like, they've gone through the questioning stage. Mm -hmm. I do think it's fucking hilarious, though, that, like, Dean was like, I was raised from hell. I'm going to hunt down the motherfucker who did this. I'm going to host a seance and then use every fucking summoning thing I fucking know. We're going to go guns blazing. I am going balls to the wall to work out why the fuck I'm no longer in hell. And literally cool cast the fuck out. Yeah. And Sam's like, "Mm, it's probably fine. We haven't worked it out yet, but it's all good. It's only been like a year. It's only been a year. I haven't been able to find Cass anywhere, but that's also totally fine and normal. Dean was like, it's going to take me two to five business days (laughs) and I'm going to have the answer. Sam's like, "Mm, it's on the back burner. (laughs) You know what I mean? Which... I'm sorry, but when you get sent into a supposedly secure cage in hell while hosting Lucifer, Mm -hmm. somehow that feels more important to me (laughs) than, oh, I made a demon deal, went to hell, and then something broke me out. Like, Mm -hmm. you were possessed by Lucifer when you went in hell, but now you're not possessed by Lucifer. Yeah. What happened there? Is Lucifer still stuck in hell? Yeah. And I guess, like theoretically, as the audience at this point, we could be like, well, Dean tried to get Sam to open up about it and he basically just shut him down. So, like, theoretically, Sam could know something that the audience just isn't being made privy to because Dean's not being made privy to. And like I said earlier, like, it feels like we're getting very much Dean's POV. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that kind of, like, you could put it into that basket, Mm -hmm. but I totally get where you're coming from because, yeah, they are just not asking anywhere near enough questions here. And also... Dean seems to be the only person asking any questions at all whatsoever. Mm. Like, even Bobby last episode. Mm. And he's just, like, seems to have accepted that Sam is back. Yeah. And, like, you would think that Bobby would at least be, like, continuously in the background being like, yeah, it's still pretty fucking weird that we don't know why Sam's back. Maybe we should uh, keep looking at that. Like, Mm. even if Sam's given up. It surprises me that Bobby isn't on the lowdown, at least, still doing some pretty heavy research. Oh, I do want to say there is one reference in this episode. I don't know if you caught it, where they talk about, oh, we can't just Angelina Jolie this kid. Yes. Do you understand that reference? In the sense that, like, I understand who Angelina Jolie is. And do you know what movie they're referring to? I assumed it was about her actual many adult adopted children. No. I think, because at this point in, like, 2010, I don't think she had that many adopted children. Mm. I think that the Angelina Jolie reference is a reference to her movie Salt. You said that like it should mean something to me. I just think it's funny that the, the film's name is Salt. Essentially, oh. <laughs> essentially, in Salt, she's a Russian spy that doesn't know she's a spy. How is that possible? So basically, it's kind of like brainwashing. Like as children, they're brainwashed. And then they're meant to hear 
Like they get sent to the US as like children who get adopted and then they're meant to heal like a cobra and then it awakens all of their programming and basically the plot line is yeah, she's like a Russian double agent that doesn't know she's a double agent and mm. it's like all weirdly vague and flip floppy and you know. So basically what I'm thinking they're saying is, okay, we're gonna train this kid, brainwash him into thinking he's one of us, he's a hunter, mm. and then sort of like set him against do you know what other is, monsters? Do you know what is really interesting on that is because that's essentially what kind of gets alluded to later on in the episode, and mm-hmm. Dean is clearly not happy about it. Like we talked before about Dean just obviously doesn't trust these people, and therefore neither does the audience. Mm-hmm. But when they are like, Dean's like, "Well, what do you mean we're gonna keep it? Like, what the fuck does that mean?" And mm-hmm. the guy goes, "What do you think I'm gonna do?" And <laughs> Oh, Samuel says, what do you think I'm going to do? And Dean goes, you don't want me to answer that question. Which is when Christian pipes up and says, your mind goes right to torture, Dean. Don't assume that's the same for everyone. And then I think Mark says, like once Samuel's given the baby to Christian, Mark says, think of the kind of hunter he'll grow up to be. And Dean is livid. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting watching this discussion happen around this baby Mm -hmm. and comparing it to the discussion that Dean is having around Ben Mm -hmm. and like how desperately... Mm-hmm. Dean is trying to avoid Ben being brought up into this lifestyle. Mm-hmm. But also the fact that, like, they're not really treating this baby like a baby. They're treating it as a commodity. Yeah. Like, they're like, oh, look at this opportunity mm-hmm. we have and not look at this literal infant. And that actually ties into Sam and Dean's discussion in the car where Sam's saying, like, I've never seen a baby monster before when Dean comes back with, of course, it's not really a monster. I mean, it's still just a baby. It's not its fault. Its dad's a shifter. Mm-hmm. and Sam's like yeah but it's a shift of two and Dave's like still doesn't change the fact that we have to look after it like yeah. that's like the nature versus nurture mm-hmm. they're really laying it out for us yeah pretty point blank mm-hmm. here okay two things mm-hmm. one you deserve an award for remembering all of those random character names thank you because <laughs> immediately scrub scrub from my brain I don't give a shit enough to remember them and number two the fact that they reference salt in this episode actually gives us a rough date for when the writer's room were writing this episode. Oh, my because God. Because it was released in on the 19th of August 2010 was when salt was released. So they oh. presumably wrote the script sometime between the 19th of August when salt was released. And the, it has to be And well October 1st. Which means that I think we can safely assume that the first ABO fit come out pre this script being written. So the fandom is holding the dodgeball. Yes, Amazing. Good to know. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, looking, look, because they said it become popularized in mid-2010. Yeah. So. That's before August. That's, August is, is mid. That's, that's. See, I would count months five to eight as mid. Okay. Like, so September, though, would be pushing it. September's pushing it. So, I think regardless of sort of whether it become popular in June, July, or August, 2010. I think the first ABO fic has to be written earlier than that. Well, it's because that's when they said it was popularized. Okay, so the fanfic authors have the dodgeball in the Apollo meme, and Sarah Gamble is the cowering person. (laughs) Because this episode had to have been written after after August 19, after Salt's release. That is so fucking funny. I can't believe that that's how we answered that question. I'm like 90% sure that Angelina Jolie reference is a salt reference. And mm. it makes sense because the movie would have just been released like a couple of months so prior. So it's a very topical. It's very topical. It's very like late 2010s. Wild. Imagine watching the show when like 
the pop culture references it was making were actually vaguely relevant mm-hmm. and not 10 years yeah. minimum out of date. Imagine watching fucking the Paris Hilton episode when Paris Hilton's <laughs> actually at her peak. Insane. Obviously, we can't make any definitive claims, but I do think that definitely gives us a good piece of evidence mm-hmm. that ABO was popular before this episode was written. Mm, okay. Or at least up and coming in the fandom before yeah. this episode was written. Wow. The first fic has to have been written pre-this. Can you imagine being an ABO writer and or like reader and watching this air live? Yeah. It's either that or Sarah saw the ABO fic and was like, I'm going to just like wink at the audience a little bit. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to give them what they want. <laughs> okay. What were we talking about before that? Shitty oh, parenting. Uh, you're so right. We were talking about the hunters mm-hmm. and yep. the baby and Dean hating them and he's Sam so being suspicious. Oh, that's right. I was talking about how I thought it was interesting seeing how they were talking about the shifter baby versus mm-hmm. Ben. And one of the things, I know I brought it up earlier, but I realized I didn't make one of my key points about it, which is Dean is trying so bad to break this cycle with Ben that when he walks in and sees Ben with the gun, he freaks out, right? And we have the line from him, mark my words, you will never, ever shoot a gun. And Ben comes back with, I can do what you do. You can teach me. And I think that that is literally the most distressing thing Ben could have possibly said to him in that moment. And I honestly do not hold it against Dean for snapping a bit. Like, And in all honesty, he barely raised his voice. Mm-hmm. Considering the fact that he found Ben having broken into the trunk of his car and started playing with the guns, I think Dean's response is actually very fucking calm and measured. Considering the stakes of that sequence of events, I actually think that that was a relatively calm response. And I also don't really know why Dean lies to Lisa Mm -hmm. when she comes in to ask what's happened. Because I think if he had said, I found Ben, he'd gotten into my trunk, he was playing with the guns... Mm -hmm. I think that his response makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But him just saying, oh, he got into my tools, like, that ma- makes mm-hmm. his response seem... I think though Lisa understands by that by tools, he doesn't mean, like, his oh, hat. sure. He doesn't mean his ball paint. He doesn't mean the ball paint. <laughs> sure. But then, actually, that leads into another conversation where I think Lisa makes some good points. Like, she's right. They cannot just be on permanent house arrest. Mm-hmm. And he needs to be able to find a way to be okay Mm-hmm. with leaving them for any period of time because in this episode like he is paranoid you know and as much as we said earlier like there's a difference between what dean is doing and what john did there is there is a significant difference but that doesn't mean that what dean's doing is good mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that what dean's doing is fine and normal and okay and unharmful it just means it's not the same as what john did and you know even later on in the episode when he's talking to lisa and he's getting quite sort of vulnerable he says I get what I've been doing lately with the yelling and the acting like a prison guard. It's just not me. You tell yourself you're not going to be something, you know. My dad was exactly like this all the time and it scared the hell out of me. And so he's worried and he loves his kid. He says in this episode that he thinks of Ben as his. He's he's aware of the similarities. He's aware that what he's doing is hurting his family that he loves. But he also is worried that, similarly to John, to be fair, he is worried that the alternative will be worse, you know? And we also get a a point that I think is worth mentioning where Sam says that John always told them that the situation was temporary, which is not something we knew up until this point. Like, I think, I don't know about you, but I always worked under the assumption up till now that John was just... He just just didn't mention it. Yeah, this was just like, 
you know, this he is didn't just say how, this is just is. temporary, but he, he didn't say this is permanent. This is what we're going to be doing from now on. But he also just didn't say, oh, this is only temporary. Like, he just didn't mention it. And that actually brings me to another point that I wanted to say that I really, really liked about Lisa this episode, where mm-hmm. Dean is showing her how to assemble the gun. And I like that we get this scene. I like that we get to see, like, Dean is leaving them, but he's not leaving them unprotected, in a sense. And, like, I, we know it's been well established on this podcast that Jamie and I are very pro-gun laws, but this is a very specific fictional circumstance, Mm. in which case I think that this was the right call. Like, they are actually in imminent danger. They may actually need to defend Mm. themselves from a threat that the authorities would Mm. not be equipped to deal with. You know. I feel like if you know that monsters may actively be coming after you to target Dean. It's different. It's a bit different. And also the thing is, you can't call the cops on a monster. Yeah, exactly. That's the other thing. So I think that this actually is a really good scene. And I think it's a way that we get Dean distinguished from John. Because Dean didn't give Ben the gun and say, here's how you defend yourself. He gave it to Lisa and he showed her. And explicitly we get to see him showing or like making her show him. I know how to use this gun. I know how to be safe with this gun. Like she emphasizes that when the safety's on, when the safety's off, all these bits and pieces. And I think that that's important for his character and for her character as well, because I think it shows competence and the fact that she understands the stakes and that she is not going into this blind. Because I think that's important for Lisa as well. She's very intelligent. And the fact that he says to her, you know, like, I could stay. Like, just, I, I, do you know what? Maybe I should stay. Sam will be fine. And she says, if you don't walk out that door, I'm going to shoot you. Mm-hmm. Like, I love her. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. She's too good for him. But also, like, he is driving her insane right now. Mm-hmm. Like, because he is being... Stop fucking flip-flopping. She knows what he wants to do. He should just fucking do but it. Also, she is aware that he is being paranoid. She's mm-hmm. aware that he's paranoid because he cares, but that doesn't... Hey, he's gotten markedly less paranoid. The gun is no longer under the pillow. It's under the bed. Yeah. Do you know what? Good point. Yeah. It's moved a solid two feet. Exactly. <laughs> the paranoia is slowly coming down. Yeah, although, to be fair, it's probably picked right back up again. Like, that gun that she's holding probably came from, you know, under the pillow. No, he has both guns under the pillow and under the bed. Oh, so he's actually doubled. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh Yeah, sorry. I I thought he was going forwards. Turns out he's going backwards. (laughs) Um, That's my bad. I didn't consider the possibilities that he could still have. Yeah, forgot he has more than one gun. Oh, I also wanted to say, I think it's interesting that Ding leaves baby at Lisa's and takes Mm -hmm. the ute instead. Mm-hmm. When he first goes to meet Sam? All I could think is that's like Dean's equivalent of like a mum car. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually really funny because Cass at some point in the ser- uh, series actually ends up driving a very similar ute. He's very fond of it. It's very sweet. Dean refers to it as like a piece of junk or whatever, but Cass is very fond of his ute. Aww. But yeah, no, it's um, it's interesting to me, given what baby typically represents as like Dean's like heart or soul like and how it's being preserved like and at the moment at least it's like it's fully covered yeah you know with the the Mm. tent and he's like opening the trunk to like rifle through it you know like I think there's something to say there metatextually he's covering up and closing off his previous chapter yeah exactly like he's literally very physically presently there but he has tried to hide it he is covering it up it's the physical manifestation of his repression he's putting it in the closet literally Like, do you know what I mean? And so I think it's interesting that when he first goes to meet Sam, he leaves baby, like he leaves that part of himself with Lisa. But then at the end of the episode, when she's kind of said to him, no, this isn't going to work like this. Like you cannot have one foot in the door. You need to accept that Mm -hmm. things are going to have to change if this is going to keep working. Then he takes baby. 
mm-hmm. and it uncovers baby. And we get a couple of really fun shots, I think, sort of reestablishing the car. And I love that. I thought it was so wonderful. I think it's quite enjoyable when they spend a bit of time, like even if it is only 10 seconds, kind of giving us those shots. Because I think, one, it's a nice breakup from the general episode, but two, it's just nice that they appreciate Baby because she's almost like a character, really. Like, they treat her as if she's an entity, especially mm-hmm. after the season five finale. does make me realise that Dean's not going to come out of the closet, he's going to come out of the garage. <laughs> I do have a couple of last-minute points. I'm going to start off with my largest one because it basically ties into what we were just saying, and then I'm going to move on to my kind yeah. of less discussionable ones. So... I think it's interesting that Dean gets put straight into a maternal role this episode. Yeah. Like, immediately. Like, Sam goes to find Dean to be like, I don't know how to look after a baby. Again, he goes to the best father he knows. Yeah. You know, and then the whole episode, Sam's like, Dean, make it stop crying. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and Dean gets sort of left to do a lot of that sort of labor that typically gets yeah. put on women in mm-hmm. a family structure in like, you know, if you think of like a nuclear family kind yeah. of environment. And even when the alpha is attacking, like, Dean takes the baby and Sam fully tells him, like, you stay with the baby, which is such a, like, you know, if you think of, like, any kind of movie where they're under attack and, like, you know, the dad or whatever will go and fucking fight the monster and then mum has to look after the kids. Like, that's just the the trope that we usually get. And so I thought it was interesting that Dean immediately gets put into that role. And obviously part of that is because Dean is so protective of the baby but I thought it was just sort of interesting generally speaking Mm -hmm. also the line where Dean says you have no business raising anything and Sam says why Dean because he's a hunter and I think that that's just Sam maybe fundamentally misunderstanding Dean's issue (laughs) with those characters in particular taking care of an infant but beyond that I have one complaint of Dean this episode one complaint where I'm like sweetie baby You really didn't utilize all of the tools you had available to you. When the alpha has like picked him up by his neck and is like pushing him up the wall, right? Mm -hmm. I was like looking at the height difference, like where the alpha is holding him versus like, you know, where the rest of his body is. And I was like, Dean, you've got legs. Mm -hmm. He's just hanging limp. I'm like, could you not have kicked him? (laughs) Could you not have tried? He was just taken aback by how much that doesn't turn him on when it's not Cass. Yeah, it's weird when your clone does it. Is yeah. That the- <laughs> yeah. He was like, he was realizing, oh no, actually, something, I'm only something. into this when it's an angel. Yeah, something, something, eternal, incredibly strong being shoves me against a wall, but yeah. for some reason this time it's different. Yeah. Yeah. Got you. I have another question for you, which is just like a, I think it's actually a small plot inconsistency or a plot hole maybe. The opening of the episode is the mum who has like, she's covered in blood and she's running with this baby. Mm-hmm. Whose fucking blood is it? And where is it coming from? Because it's not her blood. And she doesn't know her husband is dead until she's under the bed and looking at his corpse. So whose fucking blood? It's not the baby's blood. BYOB. <laughs> but like, where is this blood coming from? I don't know. Like, it's not coming from her. It's not coming from the baby. It can't the baby, be the corpse. The baby's a shifter. So it, when it shifts, it kind of... Sh- yeah, but blood. it's wearing like clean clothes and shit. And she's got it like swaddled. Mm. And she's clearly not terrified no, of her baby. No, but remember, shifters change clothes when they... Oh, I guess, but she's like, not... Like, clothes ter- are part of it. But she's not terrified of her baby at that point. She's terrified of the home invader. But the home invader is also, theoretically, I would assume, not covered in blood. Unless the home invader looked like her partner and she was, like, hugging him or something when he... <laughs> shed. We are really going to find a more... A less... Eloquent way of expressing... Okay. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say shed. Okay. Peeled? So, pe- mm, that's worse somehow. <laughs> like, I feel like the correct word is, like, sloughed. You know? Mm. S-L-O-U-G-H-E-D. Okay. But... Shed is any better than... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it almost feels like an onomatopoeia. Mm. But... Yeah, I was like, where the fuck is it? And it's a lot of blood. Mm-hmm. It is a lot of blood. And I cannot figure out where it's come from. It is bizarre to me. I don't understand it. But I have a final question for you. Okay. And this kind of goes out to anyone listening who's not in Australia, because this has confused me about American media for a long time. Mm-hmm. What's a cheese pizza? And is it a margarita? I would assume so. Like, just tomato sauce and cheese on a pizza. The, like, in theory, right? Or is it like a four-cheese pizza? I'm confused by it. And I also don't understand what an everything pizza is. I would assume that's like our version of like Supreme or um like a meat lovers. Yeah. As in like every like Because in my mind, what the pizza order that Dean gets is a cheese pizza and an everything pizza, basically. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, is this the equivalent of like a hamburger and then a hamburger with the lot? Like is that the Is that the vibe? Like is it like it's either a hamburger that's basically just bread patty sauce maybe Mm. cheese versus a burger that has like onion and lettuce and tomato and beetroot and an egg and like do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like is that the equivalent yeah okay because i think it confuses me i'm like why would you order one of each maybe like ones for like the cheese pizza is for ben and then the everything pizza is for the adults maybe that feels kind of reductive to ben's poor little taste buds so the everything pizza is for ben and lisa Oh, the cheese gosh, pizza is for, for Dean. Dean. Yeah. yeah, never mind. That makes way more Too sense. Too many vegetables and <laughs> everything pizza. Though I do want to say, it's really interesting from a metatextual point of view that Dean decides to reach out to a pizza delivery guy. Do you know what? See, because like, I understand there's a pizza delivery guy montage. Does this get included in the pizza delivery guy montage? I can't remember off the top of my head, but I want to say that basically any interaction with Dean and pizza is included in that montage mm-hmm. because they really Including scrape... the deep dish pizza from... Do you know what? Actually, I don't know if they included that one because you don't understand why that is important. Okay. Yeah. It's specifically the delivery person aspect oh. of it is crucial. It's not the pizza point, it's the delivery point. Yeah, so the pizza is important in the sense that it's like the reference to the pizza man, but the pizza man is a delivery guy. That's actually, you're going to understand. So the pizza man goes with the meat man, yeah? <laughs> in a metatextual sense, they're one and the same. Okay. Yeah. So these <laughs> both? We're actually coming up to why this is an insane thing very soon. Like, the montage itself doesn't happen till way later, but the reference the montage is based on is coming up this season. Okay. So you will understand why it is literally mind-boggling. But, like, very but you've soon. got to look at, you know, Dean's just really out here wanting the pizza, dude. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> You're wrong. Well, he orders but, pizza. If he didn't want the pizza, dude, why would he have ordered pizza? You, when we see the reference, you'll understand so why that's incorrect. So he's an antiquer that orders pizza. I'm just having so much fun because you look like, you know, when a web page is like trying to load, but only half the things are loaded. Like a gift that's buffering. Yeah. <laughs> like a low key. Like you look like you're trying to like, you're like, Aero 404, this site doesn't I, exist. Like, the thing is that like, you're so close to the point, but I want you to experience this organically. Okay. And the thing is that when this interaction, like when this situation occurred, we didn't have the montage. No. The montage comes like eight years later. Okay. So is it, is it super metatextually relevant though that Dean specifically goes out of his way to order delivery pizza from the pizza man instead of taking his 
nuclear straight family out for dinner? I think it's interesting for two points. Number one, once you have the pizza montage, retrospectively, yes, this is very interesting. I think at this moment in time, like as the episodes aired in sequence, I think that this was more interesting from a different viewpoint, which is like the concept of Dean and food just in general Mm -hmm. and like his comfort food being that like greasy, high fat, high carb, salty, like yeah. Pizza, pie, that sort of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like I think that that is maybe the more, Mm -hmm. yeah, that is maybe the more overt, immediate Mm -hmm. connection you could draw. But then once you have the reference that's coming in a few episodes and then when you combine that because even the reference in and of itself is not actually that so what i'm saying damning. is it's it's the fact that the yeah. montage happens like in season 15 so what i'm saying is the pizza man is a, a metaphor for dean being queer yes okay but you're not gonna officially know that until season 15 there are so many layers jamie God, I hope anyone for anyone who has I'm getting in at the ground floor here. Some people have said Is this the first pizza delivery dude reference? I don't think we've seen a pizza delivery dude before this. I can't think of any any occasions. I can't explain. Oh, do you know what? Um actually, we actually, because this is in the montage, in the first episode of season four, Lazarus Rising, when Dean and Bobby rock up at the hotel room and find Sam and Ruby, Ruby thinks that Dean Dean's and Bobby are the pizza delivery guys. Because they're both queer. Bobby treats rise up. Because she's like, so where's the pizza? And Dean's like, what? And she's like, where's this pizza that takes two guys to deliver? Like, yeah. that's actually the first instance. And that is in the montage. But there's not actually a pizza delivery dude. It's Dean. Yes. So Dean is simultaneously after the pizza delivery dude and the deliver- pizza delivery dude. Oh, this is... I, I'm trying so hard. <laughs> this is... So difficult. There are a couple of people in our survey who have said that they have seen some, but not all of Supernatural. And my God, I really hope this is making any sense. To, I hope you know what the fuck I'm saying when I say the pizza montage. Anyone who's seen the whole show Well, I haven't knows. even seen the show. So I know, and I know the pizza You've montage. heard of it. I've heard of it. That's I know when it happened, everyone went insane. Yeah. And when I say everyone, I mean queer people who like Supernatural. <laughs> this is, do you know what's so funny is... I really did not expect that this would be where that discussion went. I just genuinely did not know what a cheese pizza was. So, so yes, the pizza man montage, we'll get there. Okay. I'm sure you're so excited. Pizza man meta. Pizza man meta. (laughs) A real sentence you can say about the television show, Supernatural. Mm -hmm. So that brings us to the end of today's episode. Jamie, how would you rate season six, episode two, two and a half men, out of five. I think I'm going to give it a three out of five. Like, okay. I think pretty solid, weird concept, but still fascinating because somehow everything Sarah Gamble does is just interesting. Can you see how she went on to you after Supernatural? Yeah. I'm connecting some dots. I'm seeing how she went from one to the other. Mm-hmm. Someone watched Faith and Houses of the Holy and they were like, this chick knows what she's doing. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I think I think three out of five is a fair fair and valid rating. Like, I don't think I have to defend that too much. Like, you've listened to us discuss it. Like, I think that they say a lot of interesting things mm-hmm. in terms of the characters. I think that the plot is like a fun concept, but like in mm-hmm. a weird way. And then I think that everyone with a surname Campbell just kind of fucking sucks. Yeah. So they like drag it down a bit. <laughs> yeah. The next episode is titled The Third Man. Do you have any mm-hmm. thoughts, feelings, hopes, dreams, fears, or predictions? I have a hope. Mm. And I hope that the th- third man is Cass and they're bringing him back. Okay, fun. Because I do, in fact, miss him. Okay, so this ties into my next question, which yeah. is, do you think Cass will be there? Yeah. I'm hoping by the third man, they mean, like, they're pulling someone in. 
I just want a recurring guest. I want to see Bobby. I want to see Adam again. I want to see bloody Crowley or Cass or Meg or literally anyone. anyone that isn't a Campbell or Sam. That isn't, yeah. <laughs> sure. I do also think it's interesting that we have an episode called The Third Man immediately after an episode called Two and a Half Men. Yeah. Like, I think that that's just, like, an interesting, I don't know, no, it's surely the, not a coincidence. It's the shifter baby from this episode just finally grown up. <laughs> it's actually a flash forward to 20 yeah. years from now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously, you've already just kind of asked whether or not you think Cass is going to be there. I don't. I think my prediction for the next episode is mostly a joke. Mm. But I would love to see him. So I miss him. I miss him. I feel like Sarah Gamble hates Misha Collins too much to put him <laughs> in the next episode, though. Okay, I guess we'll find out. Mm. And that brings us to the end of today's episode. Hopefully you had as much fun listening as we have had recording. If you wanted to get in touch with us anywhere outside of listening to us ramble on in your ears for an hour or so every week, you can always find us on any of our socials. All of the links are in the description below. And possible topics for conversation could include... What do you think is more out of character? Dean sort of being like, not sure how to care for an infant or not immediately suggesting Bobby. Mm, that's actually a debatable mm-hmm. scenario, Because I think. personally for me, not suggesting Bobby, like just because we've seen him do it so many times, whereas mm-hmm. like six-month-old baby, I don't think he's ever cared for a six-month-old baby. Not I think, on screen. Not on screen. I think primarily toddlers mm, mm-hmm. is where like normally Dean starts caring for children. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I love it. It makes it sound like he's like, ugh. A six-month-old? Ew. Mm. Oh, my God, a two-year-old? My yeah. favourite. Mm. But, you know, like, I think he just, most of his experience is in two-year-olds. Yeah. Oh, also, what are your thoughts on the Campbells? I feel mm. like maybe we asked this last week, but, you know. Do you remember any of their names? Because my brain seems physically incapable of doing that. Do you remember that Mark died? You know, like, I'm I'm interested. I Did you care that Mark died? I didn't. <laughs> I'm being totally honest with you. Like, his only character trait was that he didn't talk much. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, bye. Thank you so very much for listening. And hopefully we have you back next week for The Third Man. Bye. bye. <laughs> so in sync. <laughs> that was actually like a surprisingly cohesive outro. Like I'm proud of us right now. Like I don't know we if you're proud of us, but I feel proud of us.